0: Oh, All you moneymakers out there, you guys are super excited today to have a great guest, uh, Miss Amanda Hund. Um, She's a tax savings guru specialist. Um, we've had her on some IG lives and we're in a, a secret society group together. <laughs> um, she is a tax specialist for some of the big wigs out there that uh, you guys, I'm sure all know, and I'm super excited to have her on here and talk about the great taxes of yeah, what we do. So yes. let's get started, guys. We're excited. Let's do this. <laughs> just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below. And that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you, guys. And let's get started in today's content.
1: I am excited to be here. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tax season. So I think uh, taxes are on the mind of a lot of, uh, a lot of people right now, including myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah so tell me more about so what did you do before what did you you know growing up did you always want to be a, a tax accountant you know was that was that <laughs> how did you fall into this profession uh
1: you know it's funny because I growing up I always knew I wanted to be an accountant so my mom was an accountant oh, really? really and yeah. um yeah so when uh, I grew up in Taiwan and my uh my grandparents owned like a bakery shop and my mom was the person like I just remember when I was really little at night when the store closes, she would just count cash and it would, I would just be so mesmerized by like, yeah. so in my mind, that's what accountants did, you know, take people with a lot of cash and just kind of count them. Ooh. Um. So, so yes, I always knew I was going to be an accountant. I didn't know at the time there's a difference between tax and accounting until I actually went to school. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I took the traditional route, like a lot of people uh, go to school, get good grades, get a good job. And so <laughs> I started at one of the big four accounting firms. I just happened to be in the real estate group. So um, my experience, even when I had a job, was working with real estate investors on on how, uh, how are. to use taxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, Not by you, plan, it just happened.
0: <laughs> yeah how'd you grow so fast? Because you have you work with Brandon, some other big names out there. How do you how'd you grow to that relationship? So types of relationships. What was it?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't call it fast. I think um, um after my husband and I decided to leave our, our jobs at the big four, once yeah. we decided to um we decided we wanted to invest in real estate ourselves, you know, because really? like for our first couple of years of our careers, we were just, you know, counting money for other people, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said um we started thing for ourselves we started going to like real estate meetups and just like came to the realization that a lot of everyday investors don't have the strategies that that um some of the, like really wealthy people had when we worked in the big four public accounting so that's kind of how um we started our company like hey let's take some of these like strategies that wealthy people use and apply it to everyday investors and um yeah, I think we um we did, you know, I think because of our background, we kind of started out with larger investors like apartments and commercial properties and, um, and so what, uh, yeah, I'm not sure
0: <laughs> what kind of strategies are those. So let's talk about some of the different <laughs> yeah, strategies. It's,
1: yeah, it's funny because I think that people are always thinking that tax strategies are like super secret. You know, like the society you and I belong, in, it's like super secret stuff. Nobody should know about it, but really wealthy yeah. people, but. I mean, you know, the New York Times came out with an article um, like a year ago talking about like Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and how they use these strategies where like they could borrow against their assets tax free. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, that's what we all do as investors, right? We, we buy a property, it appreciates an equity and we do a cash out refinance. The loan proceeds we take out, if you do a 500000 or 200000 cash out, you don't have to pay taxes on that. Um, so it's not really super secret. It's just kind of how you look at it. You know, if you think about it in those terms, then a lot of the normal way that we invest in real estate naturally gives us these tax benefits of accessing cash with no taxes
0: i I mean, I've heard it for years before I guess I almost I was successful. I never needed it until you start making money. And then you start realizing, yes, I should be planning. I should be talking to my accountant literally weekly, if not monthly, I'm constantly like game planning, Hey, this or that, or not even just that, uh, even some like business uh, entities, structures and setups, stuff like that too, that are kind of non, I don't want to say tax related, but are tax related. Um, So I'm constantly, you know, Hey, what's what's the route to do or how do we track this property better how do we uh you know how much income are we going to have and it's just like i don't know hundreds of questions always um are it's like a normal relationship it's kind of funny
1: (laughs) it's like a marriage Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. it's funny but i guess when you don't make too much money you know you're not really worried about it all you're just uh, whatever you know i just pay my taxes but most people don't realize there's a lot of savings that's going to you're going to save just even in a little normal person's life you know when you have a w-2 job there's just by opening llc it can can be a game changer and it's in itself right there
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting what you said because I think a lot of people feel that way, like, oh, if um, you know, if you tax saving only makes sense when you make a lot of money, but when you make very little money, it doesn't. I actually think the opposite is true, and I had a client tell me this before, like, you know, if if I made, you know, ten million dollars, let's say I made twenty million dollars a year, whether I pay, you know, $5, $10 dollars in taxes. Is not going to impact my life as much, right? Because I already have so much money. I have so much assets. It's not going to impact my life as much as someone who maybe made like $300,000 and was able to save $100,000 in taxes because mm-hmm. that $100,000 they save could be life-changing. You know, it could be like one investment into a syndication or one apartment that, you know, their first apartment that they buy, right? So. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously if you're, <laughs> if, you don't, if you're not ready to invest or don't have money to invest in tax savings, maybe it's not as important. But I think even for some of the, you know, higher income, but not like super wealthy people, it's still really, really impactful too.
0: Well, even just the simplest of a W-2 income, who's making a hundred grand a year, he can go make an LLC and have start little, some side hustle selling t-shirts or something. I don't know. And, uh, you know, then you can start writing off your cell phone and some extra expenses here and there and just having that little bit of savings you know that side hustle goes a long way where I think the most people don't realize that taxes is not it's it's a lot more it's it's like you're saving a lot of money income that you wanted uh you know be paying out and it's like another job in a sense that you know it's could be hundreds of thousands of dollars if you you know doing it right you know if yeah. you're doing your taxes it's another income in a sense in a way I don't know it's more yeah. money that you'd be keeping whatever you want to think of it
1: yeah I, I also sometimes I tell people like saving taxes are probably the easiest money that you make um because you already made it you know like mm-hmm. you don't have to work more hours you don't have to get another mm-hmm. job you don't have to do another deal like it's already there um and I know you know like we talked about like fix and flip for example right it's just like something that's it's just a, a type of real estate investment transaction that's so highly taxed but if you just change the facts a little bit instead of flipping a property maybe I hold on to it as a rental for six months or a year or two years you're literally moving something where you were going to pay maybe 30 40 50 percent taxes to something where you're paying like no tax, right? And you get to take depreciation on it. And you can do a 1031 exchange. So sometimes it's like a very small change in our investment strategy could have a huge impact in terms of how much money we actually get to keep.
0: And just classify them as a rental and I, that's a I mean a great strategy. You know, and it's make me think a couple of properties that I've been over a year right now, I should probably classify them as rentals and even do a cost seg and um just do pay to recapture if it's even a a flip and you still make more off of those too, as well i should do that and you got me thinking <laughs> i don't do it on uh, i normally just keep my fix and flips separate totally separate i don't do and i just do a cost egg big enough to offset everything um yeah and other stuff so i never have to play around with the fix and flips and kind of just mm-hmm. keep them both separate yeah.
1: Right. Well, and I think, you know, for um, I mean, not all every investor's profile is a little bit different. Right. But you're you're like that ideal profile where you have a business that's generating a lot of income it, you yours happens to be fix and flip yeah. but the same could work for someone who has like a medical practice or um you know a law firm or something like that right that and wife to as-
0: become a professional exactly. Real- <laughs> exactly as long as
1: you have a good spouse it might be a husband you don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah, either, way. Be the wife,
0: right? either way yes yes i hurt the husband who's if that yeah. a wife's the doctor make the husband a uh, professional yes. you know get his license yes. go take the damn test
1: Yes, and if you're not married, I keep joking around that BiggerPockets should have like a biggerpocketsmatch.com where you like match up like high-income earners with these real estate, aspiring real estate investors. Just yeah, for the tax it's incentives.
0: A good,
1: <laughs> it's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good dream for the tax accountant, I have to say.
0: But for everyone list, listen out there who are not familiar, kind of some of the stuff we're ta- talking about, we're talking one of the biggest things is the cost segregation and it's for... I'll just use myself as example. So I have I make a lot of money flipping houses and we have a big income. Normally I would have to go pay roughly 40% of that out to federal taxes. I don't like doing that. So I go and buy rental properties, big portfolios, buying a shopping center, large assets. Um, they work for single family houses and then we do a cost segregation. And you know what I didn't realize this year? I always thought you had to use a professional uh Cossack company. I didn't know it. you can you can have an accountant even do it. I mean as long as they're doing it right. I just learned that one even this year. I thought it would okay. just be a professional engineering company. But um we we paid our new accountant this year to to do it himself. And he's going and looking at the properties and he's doing it himself. And uh, um mm-hmm. I didn't know lo- I didn't even learn that I just learned that myself this year. Um and so we're using our new accountant that we have this year that he's doing the cost seg for us. And then, um, yeah, and then we do our cost seg and then we figure out how much we need to show on taxes of income.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I love about depreciation too is, you know, I think for a lot of investors, a question I get all the time is like, okay, I you know I can write off a lot of stuff, but then it's hard for me to get loans, yes, right? Because yes. I'm I'm not showing enough income. You know, I'm
0: bankable. Yeah
1: exactly yeah. and the benefit of depreciation and accelerating depreciation through cost segregation is that it's one of those main tax benefits that um doesn't hurt your borrowing ability right okay. because that's just a paper loss it's not like we're really mm-hmm. losing money or spending money on expenses well, and um,
0: other way you have to like to have losses expenses you you need money to do that you have to like spend money to have losses in depreciation it doesn't uh, cost you nothing you know to have I mean other than paying for the study but
1: yeah Yeah. you know I think it's so interesting that a lot of people don't know I've, I've just come to the realization that some people don't know is that depreciation um you know the benefit of depreciation actually has nothing to do with like how much money you you know you use for a rental property so like If you bought, you let's say we have a five hundred thousand dollar property, whether you bought that all cash or if you bought it, you know, subject to deal with zero money down, the depreciation and the cost segregation benefit is going to be exactly the same, right? Because it's only based on purchase price. And so I know, like, since we're talking about loans and you know, real estate investors, we all love the concept of leverage. So the more leverage that we're, you know, that you're comfortable with the higher the potential tax benefits because we're really taking a tax deduction or depreciation on the bank's money, if you yeah. think about it, right?
0: Yeah, it is true. It is true. You, you could have had no money down if you some of these assets we buy, seller financing, no money down. And I can get mm-hmm. this huge, huge tax savings costing us you know, next to nothing to, to get and sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I mean, people know about deductions, I think, from cars. I mean, everyone knows the whole, you know, taking car deduction so i mean it's the same scenario even a lot of people don't realize that even with cars you get a you know five grand to buy i don't know forty thousand dollar car you still can take that forty thousand dollar car uh deduction if it's over six thousand pounds so you see even the same scenario that um the benefits are just great even that sense just even a car the car way
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it actually applies to anything pretty much in terms of like a real estate business, not just, you know, car and the property, but, you know, if you finance all of your equipment, mm-hmm. right. Um, That works the same way. If you are uh, making improvements to your property, but, you know, it's based on a construction loan or, you know, rehab loan, that, that's the same exact thing. So it's really interesting how the government really incentivizes us to um, use debt, to grow, and then you get you know tax benefits uh in the interim.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we, we talk should...
1: about like the deficit, right? <laughs> the, the national yeah. debt.
0: <laughs> well, I should throw about the caveat. So the the cost segregation is really incentive for us landlords to to provide great housing for the U.S. citizens. So they're mm-hmm. they want Maybe us or to...
1: foreign people that that live or, here.
0: Yeah, yeah, or foreign. They want. They want to provide great rentals, so they incentivize to take care of it with new windows, doors, roofs, and the incentive is we'll get a tax deduction through depreciation. So people sometimes say, "Oh, you're tricking, or you're, you're you know it's some kind of trickery." I was like, "No, it's 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 a win-win for the U.S. as well as for the investor, um, and um, you know it's 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 an amazing opportunity to be able to do it both ways." So sometimes people don't realize that it's win-win for both sides, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I see that firsthand too, you know, just like, um, you know, this year we have 80% bonus depreciation. I know some investors are kind of fearful or, you know, think that's not good, but that's actually still very good. Mm -hmm. Last year, we had 100% bonus depreciation. um, And, you know, I think for me as a CPA, I saw the impact. You know, we had a lot of people who were aggressively buying properties last year, Mm -hmm. aggressively rehabbing their properties because they wanted to get that 100% bonus depreciation. So um, it's really amazing to see how like the government incentive is really helping to change the direction of, of how people invest and how they, you know, how they spend their money.
0: So there's a depreciation. There's also a 1031 exchange that more familiar, most people know about. So when you kind of combine the two, I mean, in case you ever have to sell it, um, I haven't had to do any recapture yet. Cause I haven't sold any rentals, but um I kind of have a rule of thumb in my head, correct me if I'm wrong. Like after five years, I kind of grab most of the depreciation. So I kind of use that rule of thumb for myself, at least hold it on to five years. So,
1: So, yeah, I mean, so before bonus depreciation, um, typically the the recommendation is you would do a cost segregation study, accelerate the write-off if you're going to hold your property for a couple of years. So yeah, three, five or more years, you know, typically is what you're looking at. But you think
0: any recaptures?
1: Uh, well, you always have to do recapture when you sell property, if you don't do a 1031 exchange, the how long you hold a property doesn't really matter. But I think you have that five year number in your head is because a lot of when you do a cost segregation, a lot of the items that you're accelerating are five year assets, which mm-hmm. means you're writing them off over a five year period.
0: Um, but, you know, that and... changed
1: a little bit. Yeah, but that changed a little bit with bonus depreciation, right? Because with bonus now you can write it off instead of five years, you write it off immediately or at mm-hmm. least 80% immediately. Mm-hmm. Um so, so, so it's, you know, you could you could sell it sooner and still would have received all that initial benefit. Um, but, you know, even then, you know, I mean, to avoid recapture, you just do a 1031 exchange, right? Or yeah. Um, yeah. there are lots of other offset strategies where, you know, depreciation recapture is not as scary of a term as I think some people <laughs> make it out to be.
0: Yeah. Would be, a, would some, would be some other strategies besides, the, well, 1031, of course, but I mean, you could find out, do another cost seg on some other properties and buy to offset it. Um, yeah. Just think it what
1: there, I mean, there's so many different strategies. I think one of the ones that I really, really like, and I we don't talk about it a whole lot, is using retirement money for real oh. estate. Mm. Um, so you know, because most of our clients are real estate investors. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is that they generate better returns in rental properties uh, than they could, you know, in the stock market, right? with Tesla stock or whatever. And so um one of the strategies is say, okay, well, how can we put our retirement money to work for us? So instead of leaving it in the stock market, let's move it over to a self-directed account and use that to buy. Mm-hmm. Real estate, you know, if if you can do it, where you buy rental property, or if you're someone who's like more passive, you can use that to invest in other people's syndication
0: yep. deals. I have a lot of people with four hundred one ks and uh, roth that invest with us. Excuse me, roth. Um, yeah. that invest with us and we pay in return. They just have to pay it back and
1: yeah. Yeah. Or they have, it can be lenders too. You know, if you um, you know, if like, Hey, Indar's doing great flips and, and maybe my retirement money is earning, you know, 0.2% so mm-hmm. I can lend money to your flips and have it generate interest income for me too. There's so many different ways to invest, but I mean, we've had clients who like turned their Roth IRA from a hundred thousand dollars to close to a million dollars just in a couple of years. Um, so this particular client, they 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 used their Roth IRA money to buy a piece of land, had a small property on it, uh, but they knew there was going to be a hospital that was going in uh, yeah. really close by. So yeah. they held onto it for a couple of years. And then later on, just, you know, they got the land, um, uh, got the land ready and then sold it to a developer. So Jeez. I know tax-free, so right? Forever yeah. tax-free money. Tax That's free. like generational wealth in yeah. one transaction. <laughs>
0: And that money in that Roth or whatever is still growing and it's doing something. It's just a loan against it so that it doesn't look like it's gone. It's still growing and and that's still working on its own too. So that's great. That's awesome. And then actually they can repay it. They don't, have, they could keep the profits, right? They could, as long as they repay the, the interest and uh, the amount. Yeah. So fun. like for
1: someone who has a 401k, whether it's like your, you know, like individual 401k or 401k at your job. Right. So if you're working at Toyota and you have a 401k, you can borrow up to 50,000 of that. That's um, tax free, penalty free. And yeah, that's basically like your money. You can do whatever you want with it. You can go on vacation. You can pay for a wedding. Um, but, you know, preferably you're using it to invest, right? Invest in real-
0: something to make you money. Yeah. 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 Don't be doing nothing else that's not going to make you money of course <laughs> yes <laughs> don't buy a tv or something <laughs> Not of that makes you money but no that's great there's um we also kind of look at quarterly we do it like quarterly we look at our PL. so i look at my Ls a lot a lot um and i look at really my expenses because i pay taxes when i sell a house so mm-hmm. if that house doesn't sell this year it's sold next year uh, you know, our Home Depot expense can go to any house basically. So we shuffle around our expenses to match our income, you know, what we need um, based mm-hmm. upon our cost seg. So we kind of work backwards. I do the cost seg mm-hmm. first and then I'll work backwards with our P&Ls and so forth. And I'm constantly looking at what I know while getting cost segs. I, I just do a um, 25% kind of Mm-hmm. uh Ball you know park. time yeah just times it by 25 percent. even though i think we get 30 35 sometimes but i'd rather be conservative and it, for whoever's listening there i'll take the property uh value not the land just the value and times it by 25 percent. that should be about how much cost egg we get and then that's about how much income roughly i want to show you know give or take but um yeah, and you know what I've had to do sometimes is talk to the banks and tell, ask them to make sure that they add that depreciation back in. Yep. Um, some of the lenders don't realize that, you know, what do yeah. they ask about that? So I'm surprised that yes. not everybody knows about it all.
1: It's a huge one, you know, in fact, when when I know a client is um, planning on on obtaining, you know, significant amount of financing and interviewing banks, that's one question I always have them ask the, 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 you know, the lender or the underwriter, like, you know, I'm going to do a cost segregation, do you understand what that is? um will you add back that expense so it doesn't hurt my borrowing ability and the answer is no that you just have to work with another bank right I mean rarely most of the time they they understand what it is but there are they some know. times they where they don't know.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so uh, much, much accountants offense. here in Hawaii that don't know what a cost tag is um here in Hawaii because it's not a state of a Hawaii tax and I, I mean it's a new thing 2017 right I think it came out something like that so
1: well, cost segregation has been around for a long time. Oh, really? The difference, I think, is just some states don't allow for that 100% bonus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say Hawaii specific. I mean, all over the U.S., there are a lot of people, mm. a lot of CPAs, unfortunately, um, who don't understand cost segregation. Or like you were saying earlier, you know, they just wonder if that's something like fraudulent that you're not supposed to do. Um. I mean, the tax code is just, you know, it's it's just a tremendous amount of information. So, for someone to truly understand all of it, you know, it, it's difficult, right? So, that's why you always want to work with someone who sort of specializes in what you're doing, whether it's real estate or you're in manufacturing. You just want someone that understands what, you know,
0: well, everyone, that's my, there. that's my first conversation with any CPA or accountant you're going to work with. Ask them for a real estate person if you know what a cost seg is. And the second, if you have to explain to them what a cost seg is, then it's <laughs> probably not the right CP for you. Um, and I was getting that a lot. And um, some of them just, you know, that it was just not their line of business. And they say, Oh, I could probably figure it out, um, which is oh, great. No, that's a terrible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't want to, to be working with somebody who has to figure it out.
1: Figure <laughs> I, it out, yeah. yeah. At your you, expense, right? And yeah, we've wanna, heard that before too. Like most CPAs charge by the hour. And mm. so they'll say, yeah, well, yeah, I've not heard of a concept, but I'll, I'll figure it out, and then I'm gonna bill you at my four five hundred dollar an hour rate to you know figure it out.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's what you don't want for sure.
0: Let's talk about you know that we didn't talk, so accounting wise, the other side of the business, obviously the, the the part behind it all, a good accountant and tracking all the numbers. Um, it's always been a since I've grown in this business, I've struggled from the beginning to of course now it's always constant struggle i mean i used to have a folder with all my receipts uh, and buy houses and trying to check track it and take pictures and uh, um, how do you how do you deal with that or investors who are pretty have huge portfolios or do a lot you know tracking of course um you know I, i would would you say quickbooks is kind of the new best thing out there not new but uh, yeah. what would you say with all of that side of the know,
1: business? yeah i think the answer you know what works best in terms of like bookkeeping it really differs a lot from investor to investor you know so yeah. for newbie investors starting out they just have like one rental or house hacking like they don't really need quickbooks they can probably get away with excel or something like stessa right Um, but as you get into larger deals, especially when you start partnering with people, like doing syndications and things like that, then you need a a real like financial software. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, QuickBooks for people like, you know, QuickBooks is probably the most common one we see, um, for investors that have partners or are syndicating deals, um, you know, I think especially for people who are doing fix and flip, like in your line of business, mm-hmm. um, I mean, just the number of transactions is could be very heavy, and that's why you're saying it's like a constant struggle. I think that's the word you use, like constant struggle. Yeah. Um, and we see that a lot, just the nature of the business. You know, which which is very different than like your long term hold. I'm assuming your rental portfolio easy, probably yeah. takes ten minutes. Right, yeah, once. that's easy. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> you got their own bank um, so accounts, think- so they're easy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, it's really just trying to figure out like what works best for you, because as the investor, you're the one who's, um, you know, doing the tracking, or at least you're setting up the systems, you know, for people who are doing a lot more deals or larger deals. I mean, it gets to a point where you just have a team of people that are doing all that accounting for you. Like that's their job, right, is to, is to, to deal with all the financials. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I think it's so important, you know, I just have to say, like, I've, I've shared this right before, but I'll share it again. Cause this is a more recent experience I had, like in the last month or so. Um, especially for people doing like fix and flip, it's really important for you to look at your numbers all the time, because I always have clients tell me like, Oh, I think I'm projecting to make X dollar amount this year. Mm-hmm. And so we do the planning around that number, right? This projected number. I'm gonna sell, you know, these 10 properties and here are the profits. And but then after the year is over, if we're just now seeing the numbers cleaned up. What happens a lot is the profit is much lower than what was anticipated. Um, and, and that becomes somewhat of an issue, right? Because you plan for a certain number. We use all the strategies. Maybe you did a cost sec, Maybe you bought a new car because you thought you were going to offset all this income. But when really we didn't have that much income because after you track your expenses, it's like, oh, profit wasn't as high, right? So want to like avoid that type of issue by doing what you do, which is like you said, you're looking at it all the time, always looking at your numbers
0: very properly and I I'm guilty of that too oh I'm gonna make this much and then when you actually look at the numbers like oh geez <laughs> we actually have a before and an actual uh when we when we do our flips I'm I'm huge in Excel I love love Excel so I have sheets on top of sheets and yeah I love Excel or Google sheets now yeah, um yeah. both of them so. I've been yeah, yeah. tracking our stuff for a while and I still can't give up, even though we use QuickBooks and it recaps, I mean, everything's in the bank accounts and it's all classified in there. We still, still, I, I've just, I still track on my own, Air excel um yep. expense logs and so forth and incomes for each property just because... Yeah. I like to compare that to what the accountant says on QuickBooks sometimes.
1: Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not uncommon for people doing fix and flip to do that because, you know, as the business owner, you have different things that you're measuring, right? And it's really good you do that because you're trying to measure, like you said, against what I was projecting and what I'm actually doing. So just because constantly monitoring that helps you to make, you know, quick decisions, right? Like, okay, this is, we're like really behind or we're over budget and then you can like make changes on the spot. Um, So I know it seems counterintuitive to have like an Excel and QuickBooks, but I do see that more frequently than not. Um, especially as comes to a fix and flip.
0: Makes your job a little easier sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, If (laughs) you're keeping kind of good records, I'm sure you get some of that come in or a mess. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, I love that when what you said, like you know, when your accountant does the bookkeeping and you compare that against your Excel to see if it makes sense, because I think that's a step that a lot of investors don't do. And for my clients, I always say, please look at it. You know, I know you, you're you not an accountant. You don't understand all the financials, but at least look at the bottom line. Like, hey, this says your business made $150,000 last year. Is that about right? Or were you expecting 400000 or 50000 right? So a yeah. really good exercise to to do like a a high-level test to see if it kind of makes sense.
0: It's so great. And, and just having a PL and l too, what your, where your business at, you know trying to update that as well is it's pretty nice to see uh, what your business is doing and and you know that's it's great. I, I actually slack on some of the other expenses, not the house stuff but like I don't know I'll, I'll, non-house expenses sometimes though um, Of course that's my problem travel travel and some of those other but it's caught in QuickBooks at least so <laughs> uh, but my yeah. own logs miss those a lot a lot sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the issue with most taxpayers too, right? We're good about tracking property-related stuff, Mm -hmm. but some of these Mm -hmm. overhead things you just kind of don't think about. But, you know, as long as it sounds like you have, you know, obviously your business credit card to pay for those, then it kind of is automatically tracked. But I think for newer investors, it's really important at least maybe to have a different bank account. So whenever you're using business stuff, pay with that specific card. And that way you don't lose out on some of these benefits, you know, just because yeah. you're not thinking about it when you're spending
0: it. You've got to have different bank accounts. There's no way you can have, I couldn't imagine trying to do with all the same count. It just gets way too. Both sides. I'm sure for your side too. You're like, what? You know, it's cost you nothing to open another bank account. Like they don't charge you. So, yeah. I, yep. I literally can send an email to my bank rep right now to open up an account. So, yeah. We.
1: <laughs> They're like, do you have too many?
0: <laughs> I have fifteen bank accounts. I think with uh, Central Pacific, but it makes it so easy. Here's this rental property; it's living and breathing out of this one bank account. It's so mm-hmm. easy to now recognize that this is all for that house. This account, this makes it easy for everybody, you know, yeah. to, to figure it out, especially yeah. for the rental side of it all. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs>
0: what is your hardest client do you have to deal with? Is is fix and flippers up there? Or who would be the hardest type of?
1: The hardest type of client we do. Ah, I mean they they kind of have different needs right i mean fix and flip i think is definitely transaction heavy right just lots of different um smaller and you know expenses here and there but you know actually from a tax return tax planning perspective it's not very difficult. Um, syndication tax returns can get a little bit more tricky, just, you know, especially ones with hundreds and hundreds of investors, with, you know, multiple mm. properties within one syndication fund. Uh, those, you know, sometimes can get a little bit hairy, but.
0: Doing all of those for Brandon and his team. I mean, they got some big
1: ones. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. She can I plead big. the
1: fifth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those
0: are some big ones. Big syndicates i mean that is a huge so i i, I yeah. haven't done syndicates myself but i'm sure there can be a lot. and then you have to do the depreciation for each one of those uh, investors in there too
1: yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think it's interesting because I, you know, for I mean, whether it's like one single family home or an apartment building or a syndication with thousands of investors, it really just comes down to like the systems and processes, right? Like as one person owning a rental property, we just talked about, okay, you have a bank account, you track your income expenses. I mean, at the syndication level, it's really the same thing, right? So like a syndication, we have a syndication bank account. We have someone tracking the income and expenses. So as long as you have the systems in place, um, you know, I think that that's really the key to making sure you can scale and, you know, still be in charge of your deals and not be lost in the numbers.
0: Yeah, I I can see the syndicated model. It could, be, it could be tedious, but I guess once it's all set up, it's just one bank account. It's just mm-hmm. one property technically. And... It's the property management's really doing most of the expenses, actually. So you don't really track yeah. much.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of our syndication clients that we file tax returns for is actually, you know, could be very easy. Like you said, mm. with any rental, right? Rental related properties. Mm. Um, once you, you know, once you set it up, it's pretty much recurring. You know, again, once it's one door or a hundred doors is sort of the same thing. But um, I haven't done a syndication that does fix and flips yet. I haven't had clients do that. That might get pretty interesting. Yeah.
0: Sure. <laughs> Jeez, that would be tough all the different yeah days.
1: syndication yeah. flipping a couple properties yeah. in a couple different states
0: <laughs> yeah and I'm I'm in different states so I'm I'm not an easy client I've I'm in 10 different states and uh so my books are pretty intense so <laughs> I've been I've been trying to always find a, a new good bookkeeper we were using Indian people last year now we switched to uh a new our new guy to mm-hmm. help the, the Indian people connect. Uh, keep up with our bookkeeping they didn't understand real estate either so Mm -hmm. i've been trying to find a new cpa slash bookkeeper to do both because we were always split into two different Mm -hmm. and uh i like to obviously be under one to be able to just plan better you know
1: yeah yeah i and i think there's a you know a lot of people ask me that question too like should my cpa just do my books for me you know and i think um the answer would be, you know, different for people, right? I think if you can afford it, then sure, you can have sure. same person doing the same thing. But if, you know, money is a concern or is limited, then you could get away with having someone at much cheaper cost to do the books and just have the CPA review it whether it's monthly or quarterly, right? Kind of like what you're doing, just have them help review it. um, And that way, you know, because you just, you don't want to overpay, right? For something that could be yeah. done, like data entry stuff. You don't need to have a CPA do that.
0: I think in my, in my personal journey, I've just been growing, obviously. And we were in that route, you know, but now as we're into multiple states, multiple entities, it's just <laughs> worth it for us to pay for a, a, somebody to just help manage all that and to, you know, yeah. even plan what we're, how we're going to do it in QuickBooks. Are we going to open another account for this one? Are you going to make another LOC? Is it going to be a pass through or I don't know. It's so much stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think as stressful as it seems, the, the, you know the the reason you're doing all this right is so you can make better business decisions Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. during the year on how you can operate and then also for the tax savings it makes your life easier at the end so um the headache is if you know if you do it earlier invest the time to set things up right theoretically the goal is to help protect you from headaches you know come tax time or year end
0: (laughs) it's um it's like I knew nothing about none of this stuff before I owned a business. Before I started, like let alone what a
1: well, who does and, right? Who knows yeah, this stuff?
0: What a profit and loss <laughs> statement is or a balance sheet? Like none of that stuff. I think <laughs> even gross or net income, I didn't even know, and and now I laugh at that. But you know, it's like uh, it's you have to learn. You have to be good at it. And I enjoy talking about it now, taxes, because you um, know, it it's it's money that that we're going to be saving or um it's almost like a fun game now that i talk about it for some reason i don't know how to explain it to others but it's just exciting to 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 strategize it's like a strategy like yeah, yeah.
1: it's funny i feel like you know um when people say that it's like you come to the other side you know with like most americans um, when they think about taxes or talk about taxes mm. is this thing that's really dreadful. You know, nobody wants mm. to talk about mm. it. It's just like bad. April, people hate April. But once you come to the other side where you're strategizing, you're getting the benefits. And once you see the benefits, it becomes exciting. Mm-hmm. And you start wanting to talk about it and like share your journey. Um, I really love that. Like, you know, on social media, I see a lot of my clients talking about tax stuff and mm-hmm. sharing their tax strategies. And I just love like hearing the enthusiasm when they talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I am sometimes nervous when my clients are talking. I'm like, what are they saying? Like, are they, is this correct? Like, are they, I hope they're saying it right, you know?
0: <laughs> I'm just talking to you on here. I'm like biting my th- a couple of things because i don't want to say the wrong thing because it's yeah like you said it's like one of those topics like you have to be so fragile in talking <laughs> about even on social media that um yeah it's like oh i'm not a tax specialist you got a disclaimer put it on there and it's one of those
1: yeah.
0: this <laughs> fragile topics that you know you gotta right. touch around yeah. on you can't say and yeah. i and i I always tread water lightly when I, how much I should say or not say. And <laughs>
1: yeah, you know. well, it's funny, right? Cause you, I social media people share like dieting tips all the time, but mm-hmm. they don't say like, hey, I'm not a doctor, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> but yes, for,
1: for tax stuff, you have to say, for... I'm not your CPA, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, you do. I, I should put that in every comment I have. I'm not a tax specialist. <laughs> this is just what works for me. And, and, uh, you know, it, it works for <laughs> thousands out there like me. So,
1: yeah yeah i think right. when i first <laughs> talked
0: about cost seg everyone thought it was like uh i don't know too good to be true or scammish but i don't know why mm-hmm. people thought that i guess people didn't realize it, it could apply to them you know
1: yeah yeah it's yeah. funny i mean we talk about cost segregation I a uh, a friend of mine uh, her dad's been investing in real estate for decades Mm-hmm. And she just said, you know what? He he pays quite a bit of taxes. Can you just take a look? So I took a look at the return and, you know, commercial real estate, single mm-hmm. family homes, the whole portfolio, never, no accelerated depreciation, no cost mm-hmm. segregation. And um, so, you know, he went back to his tax person and said, hey, how come, you know, can I take like cost segregation on this? And uh-huh. the CPA's response was, sure, why not? <laughs> Well, and you can imagine how mad he was. Like, what do you mean, sure? Why not? Why haven't I been doing it all these years?
0: Jeez, you know? he could have saved them hundreds of thousands. Jeez, <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. About yeah, it. I brought it up to an older guy, gentleman too that I know. He's been doing it for years and years. And yeah, sure, come about at and he like brushed me off, like you know, whatever. But I don't want to argue with somebody that's been doing it for years and years, and like kind of let them you know, he should be, you yeah. know, everyone well, knows a 1031, but they don't know the cost seg, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think as taxpayers in general, if you're just an investor right, and you've hired a CPA, you know, you've hired a CPA who theoretically knows real estate or, you know, has experience in real estate. I think your natural instinct is to say, well, of course they are already doing mm. it. You know mm-hmm. they're using the strategies. They're 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 accelerating write off. They're doing constellate because why not, right? Why not? Like like the CPA said, why not? Um. So we're so we as taxpayers we're thinking, well, why not? Of course they're doing it already, right? Like you know. So thank you for telling me my CPA is already doing it. I'm sure. Um. But I, I think that's where you know. I mean, if if, what, if someone tells you, a suggestion, what I'm do you think it is? Like, I
0: think everyone knows about the 1031, but not everyone knows about the mm-hmm. cost. Seg. What do you think that is? What do you think that's is? Uh, do, or do you see that i that's what i see a lot of people know that 1031 they don't know sure what do you think i
1: don't know i think it's just uh i don't know maybe not that many people are are interested in learning about taxes you know and like again cpas are is a very generic terms cpas work in all capacities and even if you just do tax you're probably doing taxes for all types of industries right food and beverage manufacturing and they all have different credits different incentives so cost segregation is one of those little strategies within real estate so Uh, if that's not someone who does a lot of real estate, yeah. they just might not know, not know it, you know, not like maliciously not doing anything, but they just might not know
0: Don't it. I do Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think, so, yeah, I think what you're saying that most CPAs haven't real estate hasn't been a large part of their uh, clients. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they focused on the other industry uh, standards and uh, tax savings tricks there. So, um, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah I think, uh, I mean, for me, for my husband, I, we've been very fortunate, you know, like you said, right earlier on, we got some pretty good clients. And Mm. um, so we've been really fortunate that we've been able to specialize in real estate, like Mm. we just have enough clients or the people coming to us are like, hey, our whole book of business is people who are full-time real estate, or if they're part-time real estate, they have a job or have a business, but they have real estate as one of their main wealth building tools. Whereas that's just in reality, not the luxury for all CPAs. You know, if you, if someone graduated college and just wanted to open up a firm, um, odds are they can't just be like, I want to specialize in this, right? It's like, well, I I have bills to pay and I'll do taxes for anyone, anyone who comes and willing to pay me, I'm going to do it. And I think that's why you're saying, hey, why do they not know about cost segregation? because they have to, you know, um, take care of all types of different clients and, and not just really specialize in one.
0: So what's your next step, your next growth? I know you're completely fully, like you don't take any more clients. I've tried to get on with you before when I was searching around, are you guys going to, I mean, you obviously would need a bigger team, right? Or would you want to grow more and yeah. what's your next step? Yeah. I
1: mean, so we, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've you know for us we have really decided to shift our focus to help people with tax planning yeah. and so for for tax return filing we you know we historically we're just kind of full all the time sometimes we'll have like a spot open up um but what we realized is that anybody can file a tax return Um, But the value in making sure to save taxes correctly is in doing planning. And so we're always taking on clients for tax planning. So whether it's a newbie investor or very seasoned investor, just wanting to know, like, what are the things I need to be doing to reduce taxes for this coming year? Um, That's kind of what we sell at, and that's where we can help people. So, yeah, I think for us this coming year is really just to spread the message more, you know, to see through podcasts like this, through our education. educational platform, through social media, like how we can just help more people learn ways they could reduce taxes through planning. Would that be
0: a consultant fee or so forth, or would they- yeah.
1: yeah 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 we have yeah. a couple of different ways to do it. We have um like for newer investors, we sort of have like a group planning um that they can do when we help mm. with like you know identifying like the right entities, how to maximize write-offs um and then you know all the way up to people who we do like unlimited one- on one consultation where we just review their whole business investment investment retirement strategies and help them with the implementation of that
0: mm. So you could, yeah, I mean, that's what ultimately anyone listening out there doesn't have somebody like that. You need to have that. If you guys are filing your own, I don't know, what is it? Uh, TurboTax. Tax. Be, Turbo tax. Yeah. If you're filing your own stuff on Turbo it's, it's worth the call with uh, Amanda to set it up. Even if you're at one rental property, there's there's like a lot of things you can do even with just having one rental property. Um, you know, some of those expenses can flow through there whatever maybe you know are you taking yeah. all those expenses that like I didn't even know some of the other expenses you could be taking you know you have you know part of your driving your food and all these other things uh we could be at potential expenses and and then the other side of it all do you want how much what are you trying to do next year 2024 uh, you know are you trying to potentially buy a house you're potentially trying to buy something How much should you show to be able to buy something? You know, you need. Do you need to show one hundred and fifty thousand at least in income to be able to purchase this house? So, you know, planning that way instead of just doing your taxes and, (laughs) you know, I think the old way of thinking, or at least my everyone else, was to have income and then you just have all these expenses and just try and get your expenses to zero. That was like the that's their old old way or beginner way of thinking. I don't know. Before it all, that's how you used to think like, oh, just have more expenses, just have more expenses and get it to zero. But then you're not like planning for your future next few years too. Because sometimes when you buy a large asset, you need to have two years healthy incomes. And and, um, so that's what we're talking about strategies and planning here. A lot of people don't realize that's yeah Um, i mean it's it's definitely like
1: a team sport you know Mm. it's like to do real planning is you It's your tax person, maybe your attorney, right? Because you also have liability concerns. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's your mortgage broker Mm -hmm. because we want to make sure you can still get loans. And then, um, I mean, you know, I think that's the benefit of working with a CPA who actually invests in real estate Mm -hmm. because it's a lot of times it's more than just the tax deduction. You know, we want to look at, like you said, how are we going to grow our real estate at the same time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not just have like a one-off deduction? Then I'm cursed when it comes to, you know, loans. (laughs)
0: Yeah. If you can't get any loans, then it's gonna be pretty hard to buy real estate. I mean, hard money loans you you can do, but you're gonna to wanna to refinance. Yeah, expensive. <laughs> you're gonna to want to refinance, you're gonna want it into a nice pretty um conventional loan at some point. So, you know, planning planning that out is is a huge, huge part of the game. Um and so many other reasons you gotta have good healthy taxes between besides buying houses. I mean car loans and I don't know. I have my taxes like literally ready to go in a in a Google file because I, I send them out so much. There's so many times I have to send out my
1: <laughs> you do, yeah.
0: taxes and explain it all. My globe. <laughs> I, I have a call tomorrow to talk about my global income with you know all her properties and what assets <laughs> they're all into these different companies and I have to explain all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I'm sure you're used to stuff. Yeah, you're dealing with all that. We didn't even get to touch about the LLCs and structuring all that side of it all, because that's
1: yeah super important. <laughs> I'll have to come back on the podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: because that's another animal in itself: structuring LLCs and so forth. Yeah, but uh, we do have a question that uh, somebody asked earlier on our comments, and they said, "How do we stay sane during this crazy market?" And this one, Carly. So.
1: <laughs>
0: what do you see? you own a bunch of rental properties yourself too right
1: Yeah I mean I think for me I'm just very optimistic about um you know the shift in the market for a long time it has been uh you know a sellers market much more difficult in the past in terms of purchasing properties and um, you know, I think that there's a correction in the market, it will be good, you know, maybe um, easier to pick up deals or better cash flowing deals. Um, you know, I think in the past several years, obviously, appreciation has just been the king, right within the right. equation, it's like, and nothing else mattered. But going forward, just, you know, being I mean, I'm a numbers person. So yeah. for me, the fluctuations of market and interest rate, I don't see that as too scary, because as long as the numbers work out, right, as long as I can make the numbers work out on a property, it would still be a good deal, regardless of what the market at large is doing. So I think as investors, it's really important to understand how to analyze the deals mm. and not buy into the frenzy of, you know, what the, you know, experts are saying, like where we are in the market.
0: You kind of have an inside track on all the experts minds because you get to see where they where they have bought i guess you'd say (laughs) your your tax person should be your best friend because they know your secrets they know everything about your money so
1: yeah that's (laughs) true and i I do use that to my advantage too right because of my my position i you know um I get to see where people are investing and, and mm-hmm. what makes sense, what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, you know, I mean, the smart investors, are uh, cautious, but also very excited too, you know, about what's coming. I don't have any investor who's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I'm not just getting out of real yeah. estate. I don't have any clients who've said that. I mean, I have clients who've said that, but not people who are doing, you know, a lot of real estate deals <laughs>
0: I mean, investors, investors are going to buy if it's a good deal and they don't care about mm-hmm. an interest rate because I buy with hard money, and high rates anyway, so I can yeah. cash flow it and refinance later. So the yeah, investors yeah. don't care about this craziness of a market. If it's a deal, it's a deal. We buy it. If it's a cash mm-hmm. flowing asset, um, you know, you buy it and you figure it out later. Sometimes you know, if you have to refinance later, if you know, three years, we had a better interest rate refinance it, then that's. But most people yeah. do. We don't get caught up in the interest rate. That's the homeowner who's buying his first house. You know, gets caught up in the homeowner. I just want to take a quick second. And if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe below. i love it if you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought. I love honest feedback and I love hearing what you guys think. But um, we do have a section of raising money or any particular deal of the week or... I guess for the tax consultant, if you want to, anyone interested in talking to you with that and so forth.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't have a deal that I'm raising money for. <laughs> <laughs> I want clients raising money for deals. Um, but you know, even yeah. then I think, uh, gosh, uh, mm-hmm. even what I see from clients raising money, it's, it's been phenomenal. You know, we have clients who've launched, um, funds that are like pre-sold out like i said because of some of these government incentives like bonus depreciation cost segregation where investors are trying to invest or they can't invest their money fast enough mm. um to try to you know get some of these like larger tax benefits that are starting to expire or dwindle down um so yeah for those of you who are looking to raise money my advice would be to look at the tax side of it you know if especially if you're um trying to raise like private money, whether it's private lenders or private equity investors, those people are are typically people who are of high income or high net worth, which means that they likely have are paying a lot in taxes. And so when you're talking to them, educate them about the tax benefits of investing in real estate. Uh, You know, not to say that you're a CPA, right, but at least giving them ideas on what it could be, so they can have a good conversation with their tax person. Um, I've seen that to be super powerful in terms of a way to use tax benefits to raise money for your own deals.
0: Yeah. The tax incentives in itself. I was, we just structured and changed on how we raise now to ourselves. Normally we just give a set rate return, but now we're also offering uh, tax incentives to investors. uh, If they want to come and join us on some of these larger assets, we're we're giving off the cost egg basically Mm -hmm. um, and allowing them to be partners on the deal and, Mm -hmm. and uh, they can get the tax savings. So they're 1% owner or whatever it may be. And, um, and then they can get the the cost seg. So we've been changing our structure that way. Um, But it's more for the savvy investor who understands cost seg and how he can use it against his own personal taxes. Um, You know, they understand that what it is. So that's been the struggle of it all too, again, to (laughs) explain it. And then not just, okay, yeah, I can give you 100,000 in cost seg, but can you use it? Can you qualify for it? And can you, you know, can it be used against your W two? If you have a, uh, you know, if they're not, you know, uh, if they don't do real estate professionally, so that's been the struggle. <laughs> but um yeah, thank you so much for, thank you for having on it. And our another big thing, a part of it is me and Amanda and his personal quest to grow our social media and let people know. So, how can everyone follow you out there? And what is a great way to follow you? And
1: Yes. Yeah. I think um, I mean if you're looking for help with tax planning, um, my website, keystonecpa.com, is probably the best place. Um, we have a ton of um, free downloadable uh resources and information. Um, but if you want, you know, kind of daily tax tips um or uh yeah, just daily tax tips, the best place to find me is probably on Instagram. I am Amanda Han CPA. Uh, that's my handle. And I'm really proud to announce that I've made it. I have two fake accounts. So make sure to follow the right one. (laughs) Um, There's no dots or anything. It's just Amanda Hansi That's the right one.
0: (laughs) Make sure you follow the right one, guys. Those fake accounts are pretty damn good because they've been catching me too. And I feel so bad for everybody out there because they're trying to raise money from my followers and doing their fake stuff. and. Yeah, make sure. You <laughs> yes. Follow and write there and comment and ask questions. That Amanda will, or me will not be asking you guys about investing in crypto or anything <laughs> like <that.
1: laughs> Yes. I won't ask you for a copy of your tax return via DMs. Um, I, I really won't ask you for anything. So if I'm yeah. asking you for anything at all, that's a problem. Have you seen
0: some of the comments? They, have your friends shared some of the comments they ask? Have mm-hmm. you, have you, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What are they asking? Yep. They're People asking for send tax.
1: stuff. No, just uh asking like a lot of crypto type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, different investments that I've not even heard of. Yeah, mostly yeah. investment kind of stuff. I went down the rabbit hole yet.
0: one of the websites. I went down, I checked it out and it looked like fully a legit, nice website. But of course the one eight hundred number doesn't work and the support number <laughs> man, they're they're getting good. And I feel so bad because people are like they're asking to, you know, they're starting conversations like organically too. And it's like, they're getting getting good. And I feel so bad. I I wish Instagram would figure out how to ban them better or stop them. I feel bad. (laughs) But um, I'll let you go. I know we've been talking for an hour now. So Thank you, Amanda. And please like <laughs> yes. and comment and subscribe. We really appreciate all the comments and we're super excited. Ask questions about taxes. Don't be scared to ask questions because no one knows some of this stuff. It's only learned by asking. And have a dialogue with your, you know, Amanda or any kind of tax professional. So it's not, shouldn't it shouldn't be a one way. You should learn and talk about it, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Awesome. Thanks yeah. for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Amanda. Yeah. I'll see you later. I'll see you in the group. <laughs> see you. Bye.
1: Bye.